Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, corpse grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and pick up your copies of Rudy Ray Moore's Dolomite films, just in time for the new Netflix movie Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Also available is Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, James Hong's The Vineyard, Pledge Night, Lust in the Dust, starring Divine, Putney Swope, The Amityville Cursed Collection, and much, much more. Also, don't forget to pre-order your copy of Tammy and the T-Rex in glorious 4K Ultra High Definition or Blu-ray and The oh, Angel shit. Collection. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Yes, we are. And one, one of these movies that I'm going to be talking about later is going to be fun because it's from Robert Downey Jr.'s dad. Oh, crazy. He essentially made uh, uh, um, Sorry to Bother You in 1960-something before it was even a movie. <laughs> what? Yes, that's essentially... He made a movie called Putney Swope. I'll talk about it more later on, but it's essentially Sorry to Bother You from oh the 60s. Oh, my God. And Vinegar Syndrome put it out. It's a weird counterculture movie, but it's fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, how are you doing, Nick? I'm doing great. I well, it's, you seem I've had, ha- well, you seem happy. I've had a mixed bag of stuff. Um, so the the one that you know is the good one is I bought a house. You, you own a house? Yes, and it's that's exciting. Big and beautiful, and we're finally moved in, and. Um, do the kids like it? The kids love it. Um, they all have their own bedroom, which in a family my size is saying a lot. Um, and yeah, they they absolutely love it. We put up our Christmas tree last night and um, had a ball, and yeah, it's amazing. That sounds delightful. It is. Um, the bummer news, which has also Uh-oh. affected my availability lately, uh, my grandfather passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, yeah. Nick. Um, he, he, uh, we knew it was coming, um, and my mom was with him, um, in Arizona and she said he went really peacefully and it was, a uh, really healthy for her. And, um, so, oh, you know, as, as good as it could have been, but it was a bit of a bummer and it's occupied another chunk of my attention right in the middle of moving. <laughs> but he's, he had a nice long life, correct? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's good. Especially um, considering how much he smoked. Like, I think he kind of pickled himself. That's, imp- that's impressive. Uh, and, and, like, it preserved him longer than yeah. it should have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm ho- hopefully the kids are taking it well. And yeah. it's sad that, you know, your, your grandfather had to go. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, things are things are coming up, Nick Richards. Yes, yes. For you. This is my... This is my thrill house moment. <laughs> yes, this is your thrill house moment of life. Yep. <laughs> and sadly, we have not done a thrill house moment in a couple episodes. Oh, we'll have to bring that back today. That damn straight. Yeah. Um, though it's I like wasn't we, we, paying we, attention to... See, okay, so yeah, I'm sure this will be part of our cold open, and I want to talk about it more in the episode, but because I didn't realize until halfway through this movie that I had never seen it before... I wasn't watching it from the frame of mind of, I need to be watching this for the episode. Like, <laughs> it took me so long to realize, oh my, I, I was so sure that I had seen it before. But Because you had seen Terminator 2, <laughs> and you just assumed that, you know, that's like, And it's that's so the right thing. prevalent in the pop culture of, of our generation, right? Like, I knew, like, every other line. I knew the story back to back, you know, uh, scene Definitely. to scene. But it, it's it's an iconic story, and I did I realized uh, upon completing it I did see like the last fifteen minutes of it previously. Yeah. So the 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 once he's all metal climbing through the it has factory. to be a very it has to be a very weird experience, and we'll, we'll talk about this more actually in the episode. <laughs> but it has to be a very weird experience to be confident you've seen something and then haven't, and then it's like almost like. Everything you thought was like upside down. Yes, and one hundred percent because tonally, it's a very different movie than Terminator than the rest of the Terminator films. Right, and now I've I have only now seen the first two, so I haven't seen any of the newer ones. But um, definitely different. It was the tone was different than I was expecting based on Terminator Two. Well, if you had any interest in seeing the new one, Dark Fate, pretty much James Cameron came back into the fold. He produced it and helped write it, and they ignored everything but one and two. <laughs> so you could you could so just, just Dark Fate, just tap yeah. it off, and <laughs> yeah, and it, people. So the movie didn't do very well, but I actually think it's probably the, um, besides Terminator Two, probably the best of the sequels. But okay. I'm a little bit in a minority. With that one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, no, it sounds like you got the Christmas spirit going. I I'm constantly arguing with people, like so, like pretty much the as soon as Halloween's over, it's like it's fucking Christmas yep. now. Yep. And like I have so so many people on my on my friends list is like, oh, you you can't celebrate Christmas till after Thanksgiving. I was like, well, one, fuck Thanksgiving. <laughs> like it's not even it's a holiday, but it's not even really a holiday. There's no there's like no real Thanksgiving. There's a couple of them. There's no Thanksgiving movies. There's no Thanksgiving. Song. It's 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 a placeholder yeah, holiday. It, it's a and, it's a bridge. Between the and two like, I, holidays. I love Halloween. I was married on Halloween. It's a big deal yep, for me. Happy anniversary, it, by the way. A little thank you very much. <laughs> if if people can celebrate, start celebrating Halloween in September and no one bats an eyelash, I can start celebrating Christmas in November. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, like I want to say the day after Halloween, we watched a Christmas movie. Um, I'm, I just got the movie that I want to discuss for our Christmas episode, Santa with Muscles. <laughs> Awesome. Which is not streaming anywhere, so you'd have to buy a copy. Okay. Uh, but it's only like nine bucks. Uh, based so based on the title, I am 100% willing to do it's that. It's Hulk Hogan playing Santa Claus. 
Um, you know, like I haven't quite gotten to the point of Christmas music yet. Since I, I get I get OD'd on that pretty quickly, I, I usually save that. Yeah. But like I try to get myself in the spirit of, of, of the season. And it was very weird this year where it snowed on Halloween, where it's like, and I, you know, so it snowed on Halloween. And I was, we were, me and my wife were driving around and like we were seeing Christmas decorations with snow. I was like, oh, it's literally Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's like it's weird to see Halloween decorations and tombstones with snow on. It. <laughs> it's like this is such a weird feeling in my life right now. That's kind of my memory of Halloween as a kid, though. Like in the Midwest, yeah, in the Midwest, anything could fucking happen. <laughs> you know, it's like I remember talking to a friend of mine in middle school, uh, like uh, in in middle school. No, actually, it was more elementary school. In like elementary school, like whenever a holiday came, like our music teacher was, would teach us like classic song like like uh songs based on the holiday or whatever and i remember like um what was what's the song over the river and through the woods is that what song goes over the river and through the woods to, to grandma's grandma's house, house we go the horse knows the way to carry the sleigh okay. through the wide and drift and snow well whatever that song i can i, I can think of the i can't think of the title of it yeah. apparently that's that's originally a thanksgiving song oh because they're going to grandmother's house for thanksgiving ah and I was like, oh, I can buy that there's snow on Thanksgiving. You know, growing up in the Midwest, I can buy that. Totally. But then another another kid who's like, who comes from an area with snow, but it's not quite the Midwest, is like, there's not snow on Thanksgiving. It's like, oh, you haven't lived here very long. Right? There's snow in September. <laughs> there's snow whenever the fuck snow feels like coming. <laughs> Yet half the time, though, we don't even get fresh snow on Christmas. Well, and... We get it every other time. Having already watched... Um, God, which one is it? It's it's the uh, Thanksgiving uh, peanuts oh, special. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's only one problem with that. What's that? My grandmother lives in a condominium. <laughs> after they sing that song, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing that one as a kid. It's it's just not as um, prevalent. It's like the Halloween one's great. The Christmas one is great. The Thanksgiving one's there once again. Thanksgiving is just not an interesting right. holiday. Yeah. You know, we're celebrating the time that we took land from the Native Americans. What's fun about that? <laughs> and like it, ignoring the the socially problematic element of it, it's like eating. But if you're not eating that well, like with with that much passion throughout the year, then you're not living your best life. Exactly. <laughs> um, I actually think my best line, my my favorite thing about oh, my favorite line about Thanksgiving is from King of the Hill. When Dale asks, hey, John Redcorn, did you ever celebrate Thanksgiving? We did. Once. <laughs> is that the same episode where Hank is trying to teach Bobby how to carve the turkey? Yes. As this, like, epic thing. And then as as Bobby has the electric knife going down and he's halfway through his first cut and then <laughs> Hank's trying to, like, prepare him for the stress of, of game time. Yeah. And he's like... Oh my god, it's so juicy! And then Bobby, like, <laughs> yes. Uh, that line for me is probably like a couple of Simpsons lines for you, where I will throw out the "Oh my god, it's so juicy" line constantly and in any application. Sometimes I throw out lines from King of the Hill that I forgot were from King of the Hill, like because we right now me and Amanda are rewatching it, okay. and uh, I'm I'm rewatching it for the hers watching it for the first time. And it's the episode where um, Hank ends up owning Sugarfoots because uh, his boss is like going through a divorce, and Peggy <laughs> decides to take it over. And um, 
there's a line where she's talking to the staff and she's like, well, what does Wendy's do right? And one character goes, I like them square hamburgers. And I, every time I go to Wendy's, I say, I like them square cheeseburgers. And I forgot where it came from because I say right. it so often. <laughs> oh, and you want to see that. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, that's what that's... I've been quoting this entire yep. time. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll read my, my intro. Okay. Wait, wait. Sip of to- coffee for the working man. Gotta take a sip of coffee for the working man. Mm. That was a gro- that was a gross one. That was a gross I, slurp. I, I think that particular mod just had the perfect like audio chamber. It, so it has that- the best acoustics. Yes, yes, it does. Uh, which I'm pretty Reverb. happy about. Yeah. Warning: This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements: endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation: The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me, as always, is a guy who's couple cans short of a six-pack. Nick Richards. This is a hard movie to find a good quote from because most of it's like just really dire. Like, he is going to come and get you. He is going to kill you. And I'm like, oh God, this movie's not quotable. <laughs> Who is the man who's going to come kill you? Nick Richards. Uh... No, I will say... Um, this movie is fantastic for all of its background dialogue. There's mm. so many characters just talking off camera that they <laughs> kept in. That's fantastic. Nice. Uh, but on today's episode, we'll be discussing a big oversight in Nick's shame list. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. A personal favorite. One that I love so much that when I, when me and Nick did our list of top 10 movies, it was on mine. Uh, which actually surprised a couple people, but I guess... Um, out of the oeuvre of films that I talk about often, it's not one that I, I it's not one I had talked about as much as I want to, but it's huge film for me. The Terminator. Bum 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 bum. Oh, bum bum bum. Don't bum, even bum. get me started. We'll, we'll have to talk about all of that. Um, <laughs> the year is twenty twenty nine. And humanity lives in fear of Skynet, an artificial intelligence defense network that sends powerful machines out to kill the remnants of mankind. The world is a post-apocalyptic wasteland filled with hunger, strife, and pain. The only beacon of hope is a military leader named John Connor. And Skynet knows this. As their last chance of winning, Skynet sends a cyborg back in time to 1984 to assassinate John Connor's mother, Sarah Connor, and stop him from ever being born. But humanity also has one last hope. A young soldier named Kyle Reese is also sent back. His mission? To protect Sarah Connor at any cost. The Terminator was directed by, oh sorry, The Terminator was director James Cameron's second film, but his first huge success, and was the film that helped make Arnold Schwarzenegger a household name. It was praised by critics for its stellar action, cinematography, music, special effects, and the themes behind the film. It also set the world on fire and created a sci-fi fever of what I call realistic science fiction, where the world is grimy and real like ours, but features tech and ideas that are from the future. Terminator would also go on to spawn five sequels, comic books, video games, and pretty much anything else you could possibly imagine. And the only reason we have uh, the movie RoboCop is in direct response (laughs) to Terminator because um, Orion Films had such a hit of Terminator. They're like, well, what else can we do? And 
RoboCop was born. Um, <laughs> the film was a brainchild of James Cameron after seeing Halloween, but the film's success was a joint venture between producer-slash-co-writer Gail Ann Hurd and director-slash-writer James Cameron. It features a chilling score from Brad Fidel and stars Lim- Linda Hamilton, Michael Bean, and Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Trailer. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th, May, Thursday. What year? Assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Why does it want me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. Dun 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 No 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 no. So I have to like out of the gate um, apologize say, for not ap- having. Seen, I, Amanda's like well, pissed the, off at you for not having. I seen certainly. It. I'm pissed off at myself again. Like if it, it caught me so off guard, it was such a weird moment. But because I didn't realize that I hadn't seen it, which I'll go into and uh, and and harp on a little bit i wasn't watching it from the point of view of i'm going to be talking about this on the show yeah so you're gonna have to carry this and i hope i can hold my own as a co-host here on this particular episode um but i might be doing a lot of yeah and nodding because uh, it was very jarring then i'm i'm glad i decided to rewatch the movie yes it's not really like originally when we were going to talk about it like i don't need to rewatch terminator i know terminator like the back of my hand but amanda was because it was going to be last night we were we were going to watch uh either uh, this movie called pilgrim that's on hulu because there's not many thanksgiving themed horror (laughs) films so i was like that's a good opportunity or she's like would you rather watch terminator so you you have it fresh in your mind for tomorrow's episode and i was like might not be a bad idea to rewatch terminator plus you don't really need an excuse to watch terminator (laughs) i probably would have rewatched it except at the new house we don't have internet yet uh uh because they came to hook it up and they discovered that the table line to the house had been cut at some point that sounds like a horror movie so they need to come like dig underground cables and it's going to take like two or three weeks it also didn't have mail like apparently and the house was built in 1885 so everyone that has owned the house 
has had a P.O. box, I'm guessing. Because um, there's no, like, the mail carrier came and said, are you getting a P.O. box? I'm like, no. Like, I, I just want you to bring my, me my mail. They're like, all right, put up a mail box. Like, she gave me a bunch of instructions. I had to put up a friggin' mailbox. It's kind of crazy that to think that, like, if you don't have a mailbox, they won't deliver your mail. Right? Huh. I never questioned it. I just figured if you had an address, you can get mail. Well, uh, at the house I had in Denton, we had a mail. Denton! S- like, uh, uh, one of those little mail flappies in the door. So we yeah. didn't have a mailbox, but Definitely. we were still on the the route. Fair enough. That's, that's, that's honestly what all I figured you need. I figured if you had an address, you can get... I figured if you didn't have a mailbox, they'd just throw it against the door. Right. I don't know. Like Paperboy. Yeah. That game was hard. Especially Super- well, and Especially the one on the, Super Nintendo. Like, I had no idea how to get off the first level. The the prevalence of, like, Grim Reapers walking down the street, it, that they need to move out of that neighborhood. Also, I will say, before we get the Terminator, Super Paperboy, which is the one I had on Super Nintendo. I, I haven't played that one. Uh, well, it's very it's difficult because, you know... The first th- one was difficult. You'd, you'd think, as a Paperboy, which he's very clearly delivering newspapers. Yeah. Like, yeah. which I love, that he's very clearly delivering <laughs> newspapers, and, like, you're whacking people with newspapers. I love it. Um... You'd think that your job would be to make sure everyone gets their newspaper. You know, so I'd go through, and I, I got so good at those courses that every house would get a newspaper. And I couldn't get off well, the first level. It turns out that only certain houses are supposed to get newspapers. Where the right. fuck was that explained? Because <laughs> then you'll run out of papers because you only want to do the ones that have the subscriptions. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. N- the, the game just starts... There's no... You probably didn't have the tiny little booklet. No, that came I did with not. It, it was yeah. just, uh, everyone else had a PlayStation by the time I had a Super Nintendo, so this is all <laughs> hand me down. I didn't know most of the stuff had booklets. Right. So I probably have like I have most of my eight bit games from when I was a kid, but I only have you. like two of the booklets. Yeah, games didn't come with. No, now they come with booklets, and it's just like, to read the manual, go to this it's website. right. Like, it's so dumb. Anyways. Um, so, you hadn't seen What Terminator. were we talking about? <laughs> we should be talking about Terminator. We're talking about Paperboy, actually. Um, so, you have not seen Terminator. I assume I've, I was you've seen so Ter- sure that I so had. I assume you've seen Terminator 2, then. That is the only one that I had seen until a few weeks ago. So, what was this like for you? Because you know the story of Terminator 2. So, you've seen Sarah Connor at her worst. You've seen her when, you know, she's kind of an outlaw. Uh, everyone assumes she's crazy. In that one, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good guy. You have right? him learning how to smile and do thumbs up and all this shit. And but the thing you is, have the like, liquid guy. Like, what was this like for you? I, I, I knew the story of Terminator. I knew most of the lines of Terminator. So it wasn't surprising to me that he was a bad... It's not like I was like, wait a minute. Arnold Schwarzenegger played a bad... Like, what? I've, in playing the video games and, and the toys and pop culture references and spoofs, like, I've, I assembled it all in my head. And had you t- asked me a month ago or five years ago or 15 years ago, I would have said, of course I've seen The Terminator. I was sure that I had. You've kind of seen it in your mind's eye then. So, right. You, know, you knew the story. Um, when, and I realized that I had seen the last, once I finished it, I had seen the last 15 minutes of the film. Which I is probably caught it. Terrifying. The entire movie yeah. is fucking scary. It's a terrifying um, film. But I think the biggest surprise for me was Sarah Connor's character because I was used to the, the badass, 
Like, yeah. now she was still a badass in the first one, but it it was her becoming that badass. You're not used to, to like, uh, big bouffanted hair, Sarah Connor. Yeah, like, oh, let's go out with my roommate and, and boys. And and then, um, what's his name? The the guy that travels back in time. John Kyle, Connor's dad. Kyle yeah, Reese. Kyle Reese. Um, was like, yeah, the the Sarah Connor that I heard about or knew, I, I don't remember which, and like what a badass she was. And her grappling with the knowledge that that's who she becomes was interesting. What am I Especially f- since that's who I knew. Like, I yeah. was kind of going through that with her, like, I, or with Kyle, I guess. Yeah. Because that was the only Sarah Connor that I knew. One of my favorite lines in the movie is, um, when she's binging him up and she's like, you're speaking about all these things that I did um, that I haven't done yet as if they happened in the past. And I was like, oh, that's, I guess it is very weird for him. It's, it's history for you. It hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was so, I um, related to Kyle Reese's perspective more than most people watching it because I had seen T2 and then was going back and meeting the Sarah Connor that became that. Yeah, so you know how important, you know how integral she is, and so you go into it I'm like, okay, I know this this character, and then when you meet her, she's oh, like, that's Who not is this her. Person? This is right? who's, who's this woman driving a Vespa? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that it was a very that is a candy cane. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, uh, uh, I don't. Um, Nick's uh, Nick's daughter is is in the room with him. So if he ever has an, a weird aside, it's not he, it's not the fact that he's got a short attention span. There's someone in the room with him. I do also have that. But oh, so do I. Most so likely, I. <laughs> I'm so, addressing my daughter. So I know I know you. Uh, I'm more than comfortable leading the conversation here, but we need to ask the obvious question. Yeah. What did you think of the movie? Uh, I loved it. Like it's it was very obvious why um, the Terminator did spawn a franchise and why it was so captivating, particularly I think to our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting mix of action and sci-fi, and uh, the acting was great, and the music was amazing. And and, um, and one thing that I I and people like fight me on this all the time, but like it's I I flat out just say that the movie's a horror film. Sure, to the, its essence, it's it's a slasher film. It's they're being stalked by the a, a relentless the, killer who cannot yeah, be stopped, who's superhuman, and they have what like two fake death. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, uh, and, and if you think about it too, just think about the construction of the film. So pretend you're an audience. Who's n- knows nothing? This, this is 1984. You're one of the first people to see this film. You haven't already seen T2. <laughs> yeah, like you don't know what can stop him. You don't know what can't stop him. You, you know, Kyle Reese can say, "Oh, he wants it. He's a cyborg," and you start seeing elements of that. But you'd assume, oh, an explosion is going to get him, and he just keeps coming after you. Right. And then even just the construction of the film, like Arnold goes back, Kyle Reese goes back. We don't technically know which one, which one's good, which one's bad, because for the longest time, Kyle Reese is stalking Sarah. Um, we know eventually find out that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is killing Sarah Connors. We don't know that Reese is necessarily a good guy until the scene in Technoir where uh, uh, 
Arnold pulls out the gun and Kyle Reese blasts him with a fucking shotgun. We have no reason to believe that Ky- that Kyle Reese is a good person. Right. He's wearing a homeless man's pants. It's gross. <laughs> Um. So, Alex, I'll, I'll glad to lead the conversation. What do you want? But what do you want to talk about with the film? Because, like I said, I could easily just talk, but I want to try to engage you and jog your memory. Right. Um. It's it's probably one of those I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. Things. So I would say you just talk, and I'll jump in as much as I can. Okay. Um. I guess for me what works so the, the reason since I, I think both terminator one and terminator two are fantastic films i am in a minority however where i think terminator one is the superior film in almost every aspect and a big part of the reason why is it's almost a perfectly crafted film it's completely tight the tension's great there's not an ounce of fat on this film there's very little that if you were to sit down and be like, okay, we need to cut it shorter. Like, there's not much else that you can lose yeah. in this film without hurting it. Whereas in Terminator 2, there's probably some scenes that you don't necessarily need. There's probably some fat that you can trim, especially because there's there's various lengths of that film where there's everything about this film works so beautifully. You have you're playing into Arnold's strength because at the time he wasn't really an actor. He still had a really thick accent. You're playing to his strengths of just being this hulking hulking guy who doesn't have to say much he doesn't have to do much other than just be intimidating and then what i think is just uh the a very underrated performance by michael bean because like he he's so believable in every scene like you can see in his eyes that like he feel like you feel like he believes everything yeah um yeah like i don't know the more just the more i think about this film just the more i i love it and um like I said, even what we were talking about before, it's like we don't know that at the first, at the beginning, we don't know the Terminator's a robot. We don't know Kyle Reese is a good guy. We just know these two people came from what we believe to be the future, um, and we don't quite know what's going on. And then just the the tension that's built from the Terminator being systematic. Where he, I love the scene where he just fucking goes through a phone book. It's like, okay, this is the first Sarah Connor. Now start go. there. <laughs> yeah, and then honestly, like. The only thing that tipped him off that he didn't complete his goal when he killed Ginger was the fact that Sarah called the house. Yep. He didn't know. He doesn't know what Sarah kind of looks like. He just, he, there's a person home. Right. Take care of it. <laughs> um, I, one thing that I, I will say, um, based on your comment about it being a, essentially a horror film, um, it was interesting me hearing you say that it was inspired by uh, Halloween uh, because I made that same connection without knowing that. I said it, it felt like Michael Myers, the yeah. way that he he stalks. And for a site, like, it would have been really easy to give a cyborg built-in weapons and, and it's, you it, know. To, yeah. He just, he goes, he he buys a couple guns. Well, doesn't buy them. He just. <laughs> he destroys <laughs> Dick Miller in the process. He, but he works with like he could have just destroyed him and then went and grabbed the guns. Like he's like, ah, I'll take one of those. And do you have any of these? Great, looks good. You have ammo for that? Fantastic. Oh, I'm gonna need one of those. Okay, now I'm gonna shoot you. The dwarf gauge autoloader. That's Italian. You can go pump or auto. The 45 long slide with laser siding. These are brand new. We just got them in. 
That's a good gun. You just touch the trigger, the beam comes on, and you put the red dot where you want the bullet to go. You can't miss. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. The Uzi 9 millimeter. You know your weapons, buddy. Any one of these is ideal for home defense. So, uh, which will it be? All. I may close early today. There's a 15 day wait on the handguns, but the rifles you can take right now. You can't do that. I need a plasma rifle. Only the stuff you see on the wall, son. <laughs> Every time that actor Dick Miller, he's in he's in he's in a little bit of everything. He's he's one yeah. of those famous that guys. Every time I see him, I just think of him from Gremlins when he goes Kentucky Harvester. <laughs> That's Kentucky Harvester. The Gremlins. Yeah. Um, you would you also would have thought that with the amount of knowledge that is clearly downloaded into the Terminator's brain mm-hmm. that he would have known the air like the year he's in and the plasma rifles weren't yet it seemed like uh well and it's at the same time like the, so the, the thing i like about the film is it's grounded in a sense of reality the reason yeah. he didn't just go in and blow blow him away from the very beginning because to an extent his mission is to blend in right and i also appreciate that like you said they, he didn't have a bunch of, he had to go in completely he had to go in completely naked so much so that if you rewatch that opening scene of Arnold Schwarzenegger walking up, you can see his Terminator swinging back and forth. <laughs> oh, wonders, that's amazing! The wonders of Blu-ray, and then the first thing out of Amanda's mouth yesterday, she's like, "He's got a, he's got a perfect ass." It's like, "Yes, he does. He yes, puts he a lot went. of work into it." <laughs> right. That's, that's um, no small amount of effort. So, like, it's all his whole thing is to blend in. So, like, yeah, he'd have to go to a gun store. He'd have to get all these things. And I'll appreciate, like you said, he doesn't have all these weapons. I imagine he has to be very stripped down, you know. Like, I like that it's very futuristic. It's techy, But at the same time, it's like they can't explain everything away with tech. It's like, oh, yeah. he doesn't just have a gun built in. He doesn't have, like, a thermonuclear device built in. It's like, you know, he's just, he, he still has to use the tools around him. Right. And, and it's, it's also, like, I like that machine-like mission focus where he's not there to just like scorch earth it's yeah. you it's he has a mission he is going to do that and only that and at the same time like you're saying about like his mission law like all the shit, shit that he's got downloaded in his brain i also love that he doesn't have everything he still has to use clues around him like 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 um uh, kyle says that he knows two things he knows sarah connor's name and he knows what city she's from yep he doesn't know where to find her, doesn't know her address. Skynet didn't know any of that. So he has to go through and he has to find the clues and figure it out. And what I mean, I eventually said to Amanda, it's like, how do they know Connor wasn't a married name? Oh, nice. <laughs> like, how do they not know? Like, you know, it very well, we, we don't know. Like, those are the only two pieces of information they know. It's like, she, you know, Sarah Thompson over there is going, woo. <laughs> good thing i'm 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 fine thank goodness <laughs> <laughs> but like so I, I just love like they even say in the movies yeah, like there's a systematic approach to the way that the terminator goes about everything and um you know it's like and it's you know like sarah possibly could have been well maybe not fine because i don't we don't really know what happens to a terminator after he's completed his mission i assume well they try to explain it in dark fate but um okay. um you know 
her calling is what essentially put a target on her head. She said where she was at, so I was like, well, I got to go there. And then he found he since he realized, oh, I hadn't killed Sarah. Let me find something to find out who I'm looking for. And then later on in the film, when they're hiding out at the Tiki Motel, um, <laughs> he doesn't know how to find her, so he finds an address for a family member and goes there. Yep. And you know, and that's what actually the most chilling scene in the movie when. Sarah's talking to her, what we assume to be her mother, and then it cuts to the cabin, and you see the door blown in, and the camera's just slowly moving through the house, and you can see all the wreckage and carnage, mm-hmm. and then it shows him sitting there. It's just, it's frightening. And he was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he was, like, talking, but in her voice. Yeah, he's mimicking her voice. Yeah. Which is, and like I said, he's just, he, 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 that's the only, he has to do these things to figure out who the who, who like where Sarah's at, and he's it, it's, he's it's, not killing these people just to kill them. He's killing them because they're in his way. It's reminiscent of uh, I, I'll pull it back to Halloween when um, Michael Myers like digs up the headstones mm-hmm. of his dead sister, like you know of of reconnecting to those family members and using that to kind of get to her. Definitely, and like. And uh, I hadn't really done a lot of research into what specifically um, James Cameron took influence from. I don't know. It was the fact that you know uh, uh, an expensive made uh, an expensive made horror film, or if it was like you know the idea of this unstoppable killer. Because like there's definitely like you can make some connections, but there's normally if someone will like if I would have been like, oh, I'm you know I'm I'm Michael Myers and I just directed Terminator, and it's my biggest influence is Halloween. You'd be like. Okay, like what? <laughs> I, I guess I can see that. So it's that's I, honestly like I find it fascinating that he's that he was inspired by Halloween, especially because like I can see it, but at the same time, it's so still so different. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's a an elemental core that matches, and then everything around that core is totally different. Definitely, definitely. So is this jogging any of your memory, Nick? Um. <laughs> Like I'm remembering it as we're talking about it. It's not necessarily branching. I I don't think I like you have to watch it in a certain way. Yeah. In order to develop the kind of witty repartee that we typically have, uh, and even whether I've seen something or haven't seen it, like I can still watch it with that in mind. And this is the first one that I watched that like I I. I thought I was just putting on some movie that I've seen a couple times before and, you know, kind of background noisy. And I'm like, huh, this, is, this is all this new. Is, wait a minute. I don't. It was like 30 minutes in when I realized so that I hadn't seen it before. My notes are not necessarily like biting commentary about yeah. like what the film is and, you know, thematic <laughs> analysis and all that. But what I do, uh, uh, some of it's just comments that I've noticed. It's like, <laughs> um a, a dumb like a lot of it's just dumb little lines that i noticed like uh, one of my favorite is from early on in the film was when um uh the police are going after kyle reese for stealing that homeless man's pants um, <laughs> uh, all right buddy <laughs> uh, and then like he, he captures that one cop and he goes what day is it and i just love the way the cop goes, 12 may thursday <laughs> <laughs> like what what order are you doing this in what year i just i don't know that just always kills me what day is it the date 12 may thursday what year 
there's just so many great lines just that are just spewed in the background that I don't I didn't like I've only noticed through just years of having watched this movie as much as I have but like um like one of the, the one of the first scenes of Sarah and she's like dealing with her customers and she's just having a nightmare of a day right you know, yeah. she doesn't know who 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 ordered the burly beef and someone <laughs> wanted meatloaf and didn't want fries and then there's that fucking kid who puts ice cream in her pocket and the the customer that annoys him the most she's like I should give you the tip kid like she's just doing her job man like, right such a fucking asshole and then that was clearly not filmed in the Midwest where everyone would have been super nice oh I'm so no it's fine I'll take the fries oh, it's not a big deal. Is. <laughs> It's not a big deal. I'll take the fries. It's fine. I didn't want them, but I'll take them. They're still going to be great. I appreciate it. I'm going to give you an extra tip just because you're having a very clearly rough day. That's how I am. You yes. know? Um, and it's like, I'm almost like, after watching this time, I'm almost wondering, it's like, were they making these people fucking just uh, terrible to like make us side with the machines? Like maybe, right. maybe humanity <laughs> maybe is we terrible. It. Maybe we deserve this. This James Cameron's all, no, you guys are, you're not getting the point of the movie. It's, be nice to your waitresses. That is the point of Terminator. Oh my god, I just thought of a, a moment from from film school that amused me. So um, I don't remember even how the conversation came up, but I was in one of my classes, at, uh, and one of my professors at the time, we were talking about like filmmakers, and I think it was around the time that Avatar came out because I remember Avatar okay. came out when I was in film school, and like I was blown away, not necessarily with the movie, but just how the 3D effects and all the, yeah. the work that they did in the film. And we were talking about it in, in class, and I think one of the before the class began, and one of the professors came in and uh, was talking about just started mentioning James Cameron because I also mentioned that I think I, I love the Terminator films, and uh, he goes James Cameron one time said that if he hadn't been if he hadn't made a living making movies, he would have gone back to being a truck driver. Maybe he should have stayed a truck driver. Oh, and I was like, ouch. damn, this guy has had more success than you. You're teaching right? college-level film courses. Leave James Cameron alone. Yeah, he hasn't made um, – all of his movies haven't been great, but you make Terminator and Terminator but what 2. Have you you done? can essentially write your own ticket. Right. What the fuck, man? <laughs> you know what? Let's let's give James Cameron an extra tip. He's clearly having a rough day. There's some people criticizing yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. James Cameron needs it. Um, and then what? <laughs> And going back to my background comments, it's like there's the the scene where like the guy's on the on the phone with his girlfriend is like my motorcycle broke down. I need you to come pick me. up. I don't care what you're doing. And then like <laughs> Terminator rips him off the phone. and He goes, "Hey man, you're being a real asshole." And it's like it's, they didn't focus on it. They're not doing a close up of him. It's just like said quietly in the background. And I just love that it happens so much throughout this film where there's yeah. just people making comments and talking in the background. <laughs> And like, but, or like when Terminator's walking through the hallway, like of the apartment building, and he's got like the gun, and there's one guy going, "Oh, this is like holy shit," or some shit like that. <laughs> like, there's people making comments everywhere throughout the film, and it just brings me joy. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great layer of, I something that I always approach any artistic thing that I do. Um, I had a good friend who. Is a visual artist, does a lot of painting. He yeah. also writes music. Um, but he would always talk to me about texture. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people, when they paint, they paint a layer. Mm-hmm. And, and I took his texture comments as a way to, like, hide my deficiencies. So, like, if you have one mediocre layer, like, that sucks. And if you can do a great single layer, that's awesome. But if... 
if mediocre is the best you can do, then throw several mediocre layers and the texture of it all will will hide them. It, it'll make it more interesting, right? I, I completely agree. Continue so, and I have something to say. So I think little things like that, it like, if, if a movie that I make isn't visually stunning, maybe I can distract them by like putting in little entertaining bits throughout so that they never stop and look at how like, yeah, it's okay visually, but if, the, you know, if they're always off getting entertained by some little snippet I throw in. Yeah, and like, I think that's actually one thing this movie does well. So like it's, it's a beautifully painted picture because not only, you know, are the, the the main elements very well done. The cinematography is great. The music's great. The acting's great. All that's really great. But then it does have this texture throughout it. So, yeah, there, you know, in a lot of cases, this movie is a running gun, car chase, shoot 'em up sci-fi movie. But, like, what it does super well, because, like, you know, I've seen Terminator ripoffs, well, you know, about robots and killing people and car chases. And, and it's not done nearly as well. And part of it comes down to direction. Sure. And then, like, just the core mechanics. Like, oh, the music's not as good. The cinematography's not as good. But, like, I've seen movies that are Terminator ripoffs, essentially, that have had really great cinematography. But it is missing that texture. It's it's not necessarily, oh, I need everyone making background comments. But it's also little things, too. Like, I appreciate in a movie that's so gun-centric as this movie to actually... <laughs> I'm sorry. There's, I just see feet behind oh. you. <laughs> Um, as gun centric as this movie is, I also appreciate that like there's while Kyle Reese is is delivering exposition that we see him reloading the guns, that we see him taking care of this stuff, that we've actually had to see him making these bombs. So it doesn't just feel yeah. like yep he's got an unlimited amount of this stuff. Like it's actually an annoyance for me if I'm watching a movie where it's got you know a bunch of people shooting guns and everything, and no one ever has to reload, no one ever has to do any of that because like one, it not only gives you downtime, but it gives you that texture that you're talking yeah. about. So oh, all these I, things come together. That I think had the added benefit of being character development for him because seeing him hand making these bombs and taking care of his guns, like you could feel how without him saying anything how he was this part of this rebel splinter group that had to make every ounce of what little resources they had, you know, as valuable as possible. You could see that mentality. It's the like when you see the rebels in in the first Star Wars trilogy hunkered down in Hoth and, you know, trying to scrape together enough pieces to put a couple X Wings together. Um like you, you felt his his rebel position through those uh, equipment uh, maintenance scenes. Yeah, and it's you know also like him sawing off the barrel of the shotgun, hiding underneath his jacket, and tying the rope. It's like you know, it's like other movies would just show you with that gun. And I like that we've got to see the steps leading up to it. And like it's, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of characters doing something, like ha- doing uh, having something to do while they're delivering exposition, so it's not just two t- people talking to each other. Um, and, like, little things, like, you know, later on in the movie when they're t- checking in the t- Tiki Motel, um, you know, uh, he's playing around with the dog, and it, it gets to be a throwaway. Like, oh, he likes dogs. But then once you've seen in the, in, in the flashbacks that they use dogs to tell them whether or not there's a Terminator yep. nearby, he's knowing, it's like, oh, we have a little bit of safety here because I've got something here that will notify me if something seems right. Totally. And it's like, these just little details that 
Um, I, I sometimes I feel like if I've you know there's movies I've watched that aren't working for me that if they would have put a little more work into their texture or work into yeah. like making because another thing too that worked for me about this film was it just didn't feel like a cheap movie and even though it was it was made for a relatively reasonable sized budget um you know the the fact that the film didn't necessarily feel like it was lit it was using mixed sources you you know if there was lighting rigs on the ceiling you were seeing the actual lights in the scene you know as opposed yeah. to just being blown up with light and you know it's that also builds into the texture of it and yeah. i feel like if if uh if movies that aren't as good were a little bit better at that texture it would improve the film tremendously yeah uh something that you said uh uh oh about the the dogs i you know how how that was a they tied that bat um, speech to what you were saying about there's no fat to, to mm-hmm. trim. And I think that speaks to storycraft and writing. Um, it's okay to have these little tangent ideas. They're great. I think what a lot of stories don't do as well is making those little tangents important enough to be there. Yeah. You gotta tie it back in, make it relevant, make it so that if you delete that, you lose something yeah. important. Yeah. Um, and and it doesn't take a whole lot of you know it doesn't take brilliance. It doesn't take it just takes recognizing that it's important uh, as you're going through your script. And you like this little scene? Okay, make it too important to cut. Yeah. And I, like, I love, the t- too, that the film does this with side characters, too, where, you know, it, it's not necessarily trying to be like, oh, uh, every character needs to have a full arc. It's like there's little yep. things that they've added. So, like, Ginger, she's got a lot of character, even though she's not in the movie very long. And her boyfriend, Matt, also does. Like, one of my favorite little <laughs> bits in the m- movie is when Sarah picks up the phone, and it's Matt, and he's going, like, first, I'm going to tear off your clothes. <laughs> and he's just going into his whole thing. And then oh, she starts to laugh, and oh, you realize, oh, sorry. Oh, uh, can I speak to Ginger, please? And then as soon as Ginger picks up the phone, he goes right back into the speech. Yeah, and you're right. Like, oh, like, you, that gives you an idea of what this guy's like. And it's, it, he's, he's just kind of a like, dork. Okay. I wrote, okay, this is going to be great. This, you're, okay, round two. That's okay. It's still going to be great. Still, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, this, this is going to work. This is going to work. Everything's yeah. going to be good. Um, and you're like, we got to know a lot about the characters through that. And like, all the characters. Made an ordinarily throw, like, throwaway character worth being there yeah and like what this film does very in a very interesting way too in screenwriting terms there's a there is a something known as a window character and a window character is essentially um think of it like wilson from uh castaway where it's something for the character to show the window of their soul Someone for them to deliver exposition to, so that way it's essentially delivering it to the audience. Yeah, it's a very rare instance where Sarah is the main character, but she is the window character. She is the character okay. in which Kyle Reese can explain all this stuff to. Ex- pardon me, explain to the audience, and it doesn't feel weird. Right, right. Because ordinarily the protagonist is the one going on the journey, is the one that's searching, and well. I mean, I guess that's kind of a function, and, and you could approach it a bunch of different ways, um, but a function of this being like a, a slasher film in nature where the protagonist is is the target of 
of this thing, but she's also. But but the time travel adds another element of mm-hmm. it too. Yeah. Where like, I I don't think we can deny that Sarah Connor is the protagonist, right? Yeah. But Kyle Reese isn't exactly a secondary character no. there to support her story either. It's kind of like to you could easily tell the same story with Kyle Reese as the protagonist. It, it's really interesting mm-hmm. that that character plot. Yeah, I'd have to put. I'd have to watch it again to to ha- to have the the um, analysis that that deserves, and to have anything intelligent to say on it. Yeah, because like, um, it's, it's very clear, like you said, that that Sarah is the protagonist, <clears throat> and in a lot of ways, while Kyle is also a protagonist, he's more of a secondary character. Because this is not Kyle Reese's story. It's Sarah's yeah. story. He's just involved in it. Um, but it's also interesting that you have a... But he's on his own mission. Exactly. He's he, And that's what makes him different. But another movie that does this very well, too, is, is The Karate Kid. It's Daniel's story, but Mr. Miyagi knows what's going on. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's but, something I noticed does, this, time, this yeah. time watching it. That that you could say with the with the window character, but I like Mr. Miyagi. While he has some of his own motivations, I don't think he has his own mission. You know, Daniel came to him and said, "Train me, train." No, I won't train you. Okay, I'll train you. Like it wasn't. Yeah. Where Kyle Reese has he is he is focused on his own storyline. You're just not focusing on it as much, which is an interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'd have to watch it again. To... And, and then I, I didn't take notes necessarily on this, but like I, I try to keep it in mind when I'm watching scenes of action. Um, there's an, n- another theory in filmmaking and even in screenwriting in terms of when you're crafting a um, an action sequence. Uh, um, it's called Good News, Bad News. And I, I, I learned about this from actually a screenwriting podcast that after I learned about it, I could not not see it. You see it, right. You see it everywhere. Uh, good news, bad news, where the example that they Sorry. gave on the podcast was the movie Solo. So we're not talking about okay. Term- so I'm using Solo as an example to then reference it to Terminator. Um, you've seen Solo? I have. I love it. Um, I'd say outside of the original three, it might be my favorite Star Wars film. Mine too. But there's the scene with the at the very beginning when he's talking to like that that weird slug queen who's like the the mob like the oh yeah essentially the mob boss and you or know the good news bad news orphanage. is like good news bad news essentially just say good news something happens bad news something else happens good news this happens bad news this happens um, it's a way of building an action sequence and uh, Solo does it very well in that sequence where he's like. Um, Good news, I'm back alive. Bad news, you don't have the, the the stuff I sent you out to get. Good news, you can't do anything because I've got a bomb. Bad news, that's actually a rock. Good news, I'm going to throw it against a window and bring in the light. Bad news, right. you're still going to chase me. You know, it's, it's a push-pull. And this film does it very well as, as well. Like, the scene that I'm thinking of most, and I might be remembering some of the beats wrong, so it may not be exact. Yeah. But, like near the end it's like good news we we've got a vehicle bad news he's still chasing us good news we've got grenades we're gonna throw it at him bad news he keeps dodging him good news we finally you know 
took him out with one. Bad news, we weren't paying attention and we crashed the car. Uh, good news, we can still get away on foot. Bad news, he's coming at, at us with the truck. Good news, we can put a bomb in the tailpipe of the of the truck and he'll blow up. Bad news, he's still fucking he's coming still after coming. us. Like, you know, there's this push-pull. Good news, yeah. bad news. Good news, bad news. And ever since like I, I heard that podcast, it was actually called, a podcast called Writer's Blockbusters. Um... They were and they're talking about it in the soul episode. I I can't see an action sequence without seeing it. And if and if an action sequence doesn't do that, it just feels off. And not yeah. saying every scene ever needs to do it, <clears throat> but it's a good way of building a sequence as opposed to being like the hero comes in and punches the guy and everything's good. It's like, well, where's the conflict? Right. And this and, movie does that very fucking well. And I imagine that's something it, it's like the rule of threes uh in story writing where I I'm sure a lot of people do it well without having any idea that that's a rule, but it mm-hmm. just feels intuitive. Yeah, it's like you know, like, it's like three uh, uh, three callbacks to something. It's like yeah. you, know, you can bring it in the middle. It's like a running joke. It doesn't have to necessarily be a running joke, but it's something that's called back three times. Tw- in a, twice isn't enough, and four times is way too many. Because like twice, you can you can explain away as being um, you know, um, coincidence. coincidence right. Four times is too many like three times get it is, already <laughs> yeah uh and you can sometimes get away with four but three seems to be the magic number i'm yeah. trying to think of a good example of this um um i don't think there if there i don't think there is one in um terminate i'm sure there is just i can't th- i can't seem to think of one right now um i'm gonna do some doodling here okay yeah, I wish I could give an example to Terminator so the people listening at home knew what we were talking about. Because like I, there, there's examples of it in so many films where, you know, like we talk, you know, someone mentions the fact that, you know, they have a special ability, and then they mention it later, then they get to show it later on, and then it comes back in full force in the end. So I guess maybe if anything, like a one of the rules of three in Terminator, could be the fact that he's unstoppable. You know, the first time, you know, they're in a car crash at the very beginning after Kyle saves her from uh, Tech Noir and his car crashes into a wall and he's gone. It's like, oh, okay, he just got away. It doesn't prove he's unstoppable. Later on, he takes like a riddle of bullets to the chest and he's still coming at them. And then at the very end, he's a fucking crawling skeleton robot thing. Right. That's just one They had to kill him three times. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, What are you researching, Nick? I was trying to come up with some quick examples, but I'm fighting so many uh, photography articles about the rule of thirds. Yeah, for of, photography. Of framing. Did that, you did you search rule of threes in screenwriting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like rule of three in film, then rule of three in writing, and everything is like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Friends, Romans, countrymen, blood, sweat, and tears. It's like mm-hmm. location, location, location. Yeah, it's like, um, and it comes up in, even in your life if you're listing things off. If you do four, it's too many. Two is not a list. Three yeah. is the magic number for for most things. I think like if you even think about like there there might be more than three, but I feel like there's three flashbacks to the past. Oh, to to well to the future to the future. Yeah, so to like, to Kyle Reese's past, which yeah. is Sarah Connor's future. I'm not I'm not, in, I'm not including the opening of the film because that's not really a flashback. But it's like you right. know, when Kyle's sitting in the car and he sees the construction equipment, and you have that really amazing transition of him looking at the oh. wheels of the machine, and then it pans down and you see skulls. And it's like oh, that's great. They 
they showed just the right amount in those flash few flash forwards. forward. It's technically a flashback. <laughs> it's for a flashback for him. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, time forward. travel movies are impossible to actually discuss. So coherently. difficult. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was so moody, and that juxtaposition of of machine against like the bones like that of of mm-hmm. organic death oh and then like the synth score that comes in when he does like it's um, yeah uh so there's that one there's the one later on with in, in the underground bunker with him and the dogs and the kids and i feel yeah. like there was a third one probably so I, and if not then we'll say that intro was the third one that yeah. we needed yeah you know <laughs> so like, they show us the right amount of the future without going overboard with it I I remember discussing on another episode, and I can't for the life of me think of the episode, where one of my big takeaways was I can, I can totally see why this spawned a franchise. Mm. And it, it's the same for this. The amount of... Let's see if I can remember what episode that was. It, they set the... I, I keep thinking Highlander, but I don't think that was it. Um, they set the right amount of backstory. Okay. Where it it is absolutely captivating, mm-hmm. but insufficient. Like you need to know it. It's it's just the right amount for the story they told, but there's so much more story there. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's and, what a good movie should have. Yeah. It should have you wanting more. Cause like the, you leave Terminator, and not everything is answered. You know, there's still right. questions. There's still questions, and and it's not like some people would view it as plot holes. Like, well, how does this work? How does this work? Just because you have questions doesn't mean it's a plot hole. I, right? No, the word, absolutely. The word plot hole is thrown around far too much on the internet. There's a difference between plot hole and un and information that's unintentionally not given to us. Yeah. Um. Or intentionally left out. Intentionally. Oh, intentionally vague. or unintentionally. Yeah. 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 And. Like, there's enough to this story where it makes you want more. And, like, if there wouldn't have been a sequel, there wouldn't have been a franchise. There's enough in this film to, like, oh, yeah, we want to, I want to see what's going to happen to Sarah Connor. I want to see what's going to happen to the future. But there's just enough where it's, like, I feel satiated. You feel like you got an entire meal. Totally. In this film. You, you, you got the entire. The, it, it's that you got this story, but it builds an, a world that you would love to spend more time in. Yeah. And then there's some I, some movies that like have sequels that really don't need it. Right. Like actually case in point, I was mentioning RoboCop earlier. Me and Amanda just rewatched RoboCop. I I got the new special edition from Arrow that I'm going to be reviewing soon. And nice. RoboCop had like what two or three sequels? I at least I I think two sequels. So I think it was RoboCop 2 and 3. I rewatched RoboCop. I was like, we don't need another film. No. Like, right. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I've seen them. It's like, this film is perfect. It's got everything. And while I feel the same way about Terminator, there was more to expound upon. Yeah. It's like, do we really need more of RoboCop arresting people? Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, and like you said, it's very obvious why this movie became a success. I said something very similar when we watched Masters of the Universe. While that film wasn't a success, I could see why He Man was such a big deal for kids in the 80s yeah um and it's kind of crazy how much terminator we got 
You know, like, it, like they got, we had video games. Like there was the RoboCop versus Terminator video game in the Super Nintendo. There was movies, and arguably, like Terminator Two is one of the most successful films of all time, and did so much for the special effects world. And actually, so did Terminator One. That stop motion work near the end was <laughs> phenomenal. This is going to be said clearly from the 2019 perspective because the effects were incredible and for their time they were even more incredible but when they would do any of the arnie stuff where like you could see the red glowing (laughs) eye and they cut to the 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 dummy with the fake weird skin and then they'd cut away and cut back and it's actually him Mm -hmm. like the the difference between the two on our modern tvs however was the, so jarring. It was, and we, me and Amanda make fun of it all the time. But like, when when they put the sunglasses on on the dummy head, it's like, okay, now it looks really fucking good. right. Like, <laughs> I I think they were really smart about what they chose to show and what they chose to yeah. And I was like, like they had some and, clever like, hides. animatronic head. It's like that puppet is fucking stellar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you have to forgive it, like because it was groundbreaking. It's been improved upon. Yeah, you know. It, and uh, at looking at it with that context, it's, it blows your mind. But sitting there in 2019, watching it, it you can't help but chuckle when yeah. they're cutting back to this, like, and, and I can only imagine what it was like seeing this movie in the 80s. Like, I feel like it would have blown me away. I feel like it, I don't know, maybe I'm overhyping it because I guess I don't know what else came out between Star Wars and Terminator, but I feel like it should have been as big of a deal as Star Wars. Maybe not on that level, because Star Wars is still, like, a triumphant thing. But yeah. it's like, I feel like this movie would have blown me the fuck away if I would have seen it in 1984. Right. And and then, like I said, it, it came out with a sequel that was bigger and badder and everything else, and it's, it's like it just kept going upwards. And um, and like I said, I'm one of the few the few people that saw the new Dark Fate that actually really liked it and appreciated that they pretty much cut out everything but one and two <laughs> so they brought back linda hamilton and everything and who i now i've only seen the trailers for it she looks so friggin uh epic she, in the trailers she is. she's really she's she's kind of a badass in the film uh, and i love this trend of bringing back like aging heroines and having them still kick ass and, right yeah and um no, there's. I don't want to spoil because its film is still relatively new, but there, it does some really interesting things that some pissed some people off. But um, I don't know because one of the biggest things that pissed people off for, without going into detail into why people said it, like it undid everything that came before, and it's. But it's like, well, and technically, if you make a sequel to anything, it undid anything that came before. It's like <laughs> you're pretty much saying that their plight of destroying Skynet didn't succeed. No, that, yeah, so, that, that I can't really go. Enough. I can't go into detail, but. Because I don't want to spoil it. but I do certainly like finally seeing Terminator. Uh, like, I want to revisit uh, T2 because I haven't seen that since I was probably 9 or 10. Oh, it still holds um, up beautifully. And I would certainly like to finish out the, the franchise and, and catch up on those. Well, I think you should, Nick. Thank well, you. So as soon as you get the house set up. Yeah. As soon as you get that Once internet I get connection. internet back. My kids are freaking out. We we picked them up on Monday, and they're like, "Dad, do you have the Wi-Fi on yet?" Now they got to figure out. Now they got to see how we lived as kids, right? No Back internet. in my day, we had to read books and color. <laughs> we didn't have no fangled tablets. Everyone, so we 
I I also finally got the the rest of my DVD collection over, so we've been leaning heavy on on discs lately. Well, that's the way to go. Discs are never gonna they're never gonna go away. Hmm. Have is the the knuckle tattoo is that relatively new? The oh the fingers? No, no, yeah. I've had that. Me and Amanda got that because um it's gonna be very cheesy, but if we <laughs> oh. if we link hands, it actually says eternity. Oh, um, we got that before we got married. Okay. Yeah, so, so what does it say without it? It says tree. Try. Try. It looks like you spelled try wrong. <laughs> hey, no regrets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say about Terminator? Uh, I don't think so. Um, this has been a Michael heavy episode. <laughs> yeah. I I think I I was you, able you to bro- jump you in. Brought when, in some what, stuff. Once we got broader, like out of the minutia of the of the film itself, um, yeah. I I feel like I talked more than I was afraid that I <laughs> was not going to. I brought the best out of you. Oh, well, you always the do. The reason I ask is because the perfect transition from how discs never go away is <gasps> I have some reviews to do. Oh, um, normally I do these as bonus episodes, but I thought if Nick, if you have the time, it's always more fun to talk to someone about it right? as opposed rather to than rambling it, it off. And then it's another yeah. episode I have to edit. So as long as you have the time, I'm going to spend like five or ten minutes on this. Totally. And I want it's, like it's, it's easier to talk to you about it. I'll so, give the occasional sell me. Yeah. So like, why should I see these? Well, my favorite one though is from episode from season two. Uh, I had my friend Nico Aldrich, Ald- sorry Nico Aldrich on, and because uh, he was my co-host on the No Homers podcast, and we were talking about. Um, um, well, I cannot think of the the. the we, we talked about a slasher film. I wish <laughs> I could remember the title at the moment. Uh, um, Slaughter High. And um, I was doing some Vinegar Syndrome reviews because this is how we used to do them. I used to just try to sell you on them. I was telling him about a movie called Prey, and while we were discussing, he bought it. (laughs) I was telling him about (laughs) it. Well done. (laughs) Um, But the first one, which I was telling you about, is like I said, it was. It's like sorry to bother you from nine, but if it was made in 1969, this that that pitch alone, like I have to see this. It's called Putney Swope, and this will actually. I actually should say. Uh, this will be on sale, I believe, on Vinegar Syndrome's Black Friday sale. They, okay. They're, almost everything on their website is going to be 50% off. Okay. And not only that, but have you ever heard of a movie called Tammy and the T-Rex? I've seen you uh, promoing it on well, Tammy and the T-Rex lot, was, I have not seen Tammy it. and the T-Rex is a movie from the 80s starring... Uh, who's the who's the, the guy from The Fast and the Furious that passed away? Paul oh. Walker. Paul Walker. Yeah. Yep. It, it stars he's one of the characters in it and um in the in the movie he dies and co- comes back as a dinosaur <laughs> and apparently it was originally made to be like a hard r gory movie and the producer's <laughs> like no we can't promote this so they removed all the gore and released it as a family-friendly film oh my vinegar God. syndrome found all the gore footage and restored it <laughs> And that's also going to be their first 4K release. <laughs> nice. Oh, but, my God. So Putney Swope will be on sale. So let me read the back of it to you. Right. Assuming he is incapable of winning, all all the members of a prestigious Madison Avenue advertising firm accidentally vote to appoint the company's only black executive, Putney Swope, as chairman of the board. His unexpected win behind him, Swope changes the company's name to Truth and Soul Incorporated, fires nearly all of its elderly white employees, and focuses solely on creating subversive, outlandish, and shocking campaigns. As the company is catapulted to new heights of success, Swope finds that he has drawn in the ire of the U.S. president, who seeks to declare him and his renegade staff a threat to national security. 
considered one of the masterpieces of late 60s counterculture cinema, Robert Downey Sr. Uh, Robert Downey Sr.'s Putney Swole remains a vital cinematic satire of race, politics, and pop culture, featuring a supporting performance from character actor Alan Garfield, along with cameos from Mel Brooks. Vinegar Syndrome uh, is proud to present the world Blu-ray debut of Putney Swope in a stunning new 4K restoration created by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, and the Film Foundation. That's it. One vote for Elias, one vote for Bessinger, nine votes for Swope. Swope! You don't have to accept. It's a terrible job. Don't take it, Swope! The man's been elected and you voted for him. We all voted for him. Because we thought no one else would vote for him. Putney Swope is the new chairman of this board. And I will defend that mistake with my life. Uh, Mr. Swope, I do exactly the same job as the other executives, but I don't make as much money as they do. I don't think that's right. If I give you a raise, everybody's gonna want a raise. And if I give them a raise, they'll still be making more money than you. And we'll be right back where we started. <laughs> Nice. So I, that's one thing I love about Vinegar Syndrome. They'll do trash. They'll do like VHS trash, films that have been lost, exploitation films like The Corpse Grinders. But then they'll do things like this for sweet, sweet, back, badass songs that have a, a place in history. And like <laughs> so this film... You know, it's 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 hyper it's hyper real kind of like sorry to bother you is in that way where it's like it can, it takes place in a somewhat realistic world but like everyone's actions are so over the top, and they have there's this Madison Avenue firm and their president dies right on the table, and like before they before like they even move the body they're like well we gotta figure out a new president or who's gonna run the company and they find they have to do a voting process it's in the ledger of like the way when the company was founded that they vote for who's gonna be who's gonna run the company and everyone's like oh vote for me and i'll do this for you vote for me and i'll do this for you and their thought process is it's like well okay if you know say i'm it's me and you and it's like well if nick's voting for me i'm not allowed to vote for myself but if I vote, I'm going to throw my vote away and vote for Putney Swope because he's he, he's the only black guy. No one's going to vote for him. Everyone does that, <laughs> thinking they're throwing their vote away, and he ends up he ends up winning. <laughs> and then like he um he his first speech he stands up and he's doing a speech. He's like, I'm not here to sink. He's like, I'm not here to rock the boat. That's not what I'm here. I'm here to sink the damn boat, and then it shows. It's like it's it shows like the 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 board of all the white guys, and it, he hits that line, and it cuts back to the same exact shot, and it's a staff all of of black guys, black guys and girls, and he gets rid of everyone, and decide and like it almost feels like he's like he's choosing these ad campaigns, thinking they're not gonna work, 
but they get really over so it's like he's doing a crazy and like the movie's all in black and white but anytime they show one of their ads it's in full color and like the the first one he makes is it's a cereal and the guy there's a the guy just sitting there eating cereal and everything and the narrator's like hey did you know that cereal's got a full source of vitamin e and it, it does this and this and this and it's going to make you healthier for this reason it's just a slow pen on the guy's face on expression says he's eating the cereal <laughs> And then, like, um, it's like, and then the, the announcer goes, did you know any of this? And he go, and the guy looks at the camera and goes, no shit. And that's, <laughs> and that's, that's the ad. And then it's, like, just using, like, gratuitous, the gratuitous sex and swearing and all this other stuff just to, like, rock the boat or sink the damn boat, as he says. And it's, it's just this crazy thing of him making all this money. And, like, he's essentially just, like, trying to be, he, he's trying to be difficult, but everyone's giving into him. So it's, like, all these people want him to make ads for them. And he's like, well, it's going to cost you $5 million a piece in cash. And they're like, that's outrageous. And, and he's like, and you get no say creatively at all. You have to just show the commercial. And, I uh, like the cut of your gym. And then they all come back the next episode and they all, like, the next scene, and they all have, like, just big giant bags of money. <laughs> and they're like, fine, we'll do it. And it's, it's just a crazy movie. And when I found out it was made by Robert Downey Jr.'s dad, it made me happy. But then also made me sad because Robert Downey Jr. went on this tirade years ago about how he doesn't want, he won't do indie films anymore. And it's like, dude, that's what your dad made. That's yeah. all he did for the long. Like he w- he did some acting, but like he made a bigger splash as an indie film director than he ever did acting. It the your description of the film, and it may not be anything like this, but what I keep, what my mind keeps going back to is the remake of Brewster's Millions. Kind of, yeah. Honestly, yes. That it, that is what it reminds me of. Um, which is an amazing movie. I I just saw that movie for the first time like a year or two ago, and I really really liked it, yeah. I didn't know if I was going to like... John Landis, I've seen a few of his films, but he's still kind of a... Not John Landis, that's not John Landis, that's uh, the director of The Warriors. I can't think of his name at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, But it's like, I've seen quite a few of his films, so I've seen like The Warriors, The Driver, a bunch of his like action and adventure films. I just didn't think I'd like his comedies very much, but I end up loving it. But no, and, it remi- and Richard Pryor, of course, and is, John Candy. Yeah, it's, it's yep. <laughs> you know he's intent. You know, in that movie, he's intentionally just trying to be difficult, and it's it's not working for him. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> um, but this, and then so the rest- restoration on the film is great. Like it's a gorgeous black and white cinematography that Robert Downey Sr. was just uh, you know he's running, gunning, shooting this. I think it took him a period of time to make this film, and it's like I watch it. And I just it feels important. Like I said, it's so much so that if the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences decided to pay for the restoration of this, and a company like Vinegar Syndrome, who, like I said, for the longest time was restoring vintage porn, got to do it, <laughs> this is a big get for them. Yeah. And I also love that the the cover is, it looks like a person flipping like flipping it off, but it, the, the finger's a girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, that's just <laughs> That's a great cover. Um, real quick, I'm going to read what the features are. Uh, newly scanned and restored in 4K from various 35mm preprint elements. There's an audio commentary of director Robert Downey Sr., a video interview with Robert Downey Sr. from 2001, another video interview with him from 2008, a Q&A with Robert Downey Sr., audio interview with cinematographer Gerald Kotz, audio interview with film critic and, story, and historian Sergio Mims, um, theatrical trailer archival pictures and so on and so forth um the interviews with robert downey senior are all really good because he just seems so laid back and cool 
<laughs> yeah. Like, he just seems like, he's like, yeah, I made this movie for next next to nothing. And, you know, and he, he talks about what he was trying to accomplish with it and, you know, being involved in the counterculture. And it's, he's very likable in all the interviews. Nice. Um, he, I don't know. He, he, I don't feel like he necessarily says anything super profound, but it's great to hear information about. I like hearing the director talk about making the film. Yeah. But what I think is really good is the commentary with the film with film critic Sergio Mims. I always like when a film critic or historian has talks about a film because they can put it in historical context in a way, as opposed to being like, "Oh, this is what it was like shooting this scene. We had these right. issues." He talks in a about, way that people involved never could. He, he talks about like what was going on in cinema at the time. So. Putney Swope. That one's a lot. Really nice. Good. And then I got one other, uh, if you have the time. Real, real quick, as to break up the two reviews, you know how, like, local news footage when they're interviewing the camera person and then just passers-by will walk in the background and they're kind of always weirdly looking into the camera as they yeah. pass by? Yeah. My shot of you is like that, except with animals. And your shot's like that, but except with your daughter. With my daughter, yeah. <laughs> so I had a cattle walk by looking like, oh, what's going on over there? And then a dog walks by, oh, what's going like, my, on over there? My frame is rather large, too. Like, <laughs> I, I've been trying to add stuff in the background, but I have two closets, so it's like I can't really, like, put right. anything there. Um, you should hang up the painting of Santa Claus. On, on a door? Where? Yeah. On the door? <laughs> on um, the door. All Number right. two. So the next movie I have is so Vinegar Syndrome is doing another series. Uh, they have a store in uh, Connecticut where they're from. Oh, nice. Um, called the Archive. The Archive is not only just their releases. It, they want to do a physical media store so that you can get Blu-rays, you can get records, you can get CDs, and they carry stuff from every other company like Scream Factory, Arrow, Criterion. They all the, re- the specialty records that are coming out. They want to do everything. But they wanted to do a a um, it's called I think they call it the archive collection, where the archive collection is film because like you can, you can get vinegar syndrome releases anywhere you can get them on Amazon you can get them through other sellers the archive collection is stuff that you can only get that is only catered to physical media stores. So okay. like theirs, exclusive company places like that, or directly from their website. You're not going to find it on Amazon. You're not going to find it on any of the secondhand places. You have to get it directly from them or take yourself out to a, a store that's selling Blu-rays. It's like the, the brew pub exclusive or whatever, you know. Yeah. So this is one of their releases. And it seems like from what I've noticed, it's gonna it's stuff that like was like VHS cheese and stuff like that. This one has got a, a, an amazing slip cover because it's meant to look like an old VHS where it's like so it's it's actually like you pull it from below yeah okay and it's oh, got yeah, yeah. it's got two titles savage harbor aka death feud <laughs> and it, was that uh stallone it's a stallone a- oh. <laughs> best response ever i i only saw the the cover it's, for a second it's, as you it's it. a stallone <laughs> and it's a mitchum <laughs> It's Robert Mitchum's son and Frank Stallone. And he even they talk about this in, on one of the features where when they were trying to sell the film, they had Savage Harbor and they had Stallone, Mitchum, and then really small, Frank Christopher. <laughs> As if they're trying to make some like cra- like Stallone, like, you know, Robert Mitchum and Stallone made a movie. It's a Stallone. <laughs> and- uh, I, I know I brought this scene up on the podcast before but since we're approaching christmas and i'm in christmas movie watching form i have to bring up again 
the movie Fred Claus. I was actually thinking real quick. I was thinking yeah. that we should do Santa with muscles and a Fred Claus double feature because that way yes. I, don't know, I don't know if we're gonna have enough with Santa with muscles. So I feel like we should do both. I, I agree. Continue your thought. So it's the uh, the less famous sibling like <laughs> yes. support group. So there's Bill Clinton's brother. There's Frank Stallone is in that scene. Um, I forget who else, but it's like, and they're all the actual people. Senator, one of the Baldwins, That's all in, sitting around in the support group, which Fred Claus comes to yeah. because Santa's his brother, and they all think that he's making fun of them. And like, I love like Frank Stallone amuses me. I said this in the Rocky episode. Frank Stallone sounds like a made up character. It sounds like an SNL sketch. It's like, oh, right? I'm, I'm Stallone's brother, Frank. Frank Stallone. <laughs> or uh, there was a Stephen. I can't think of the comedian's name. He does. He's like. A songwriting comedian. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, he also wrote the, I think, the music for the Wedding Singer Broadway musical. But anyway, he has a song called Cred Christ, which is all about Jesus Christ's cooler older brother. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, so I think we're on tangent so, of a tangent of a tangent. <laughs> Savage Harbor, I'm going to read the back. So Joe, played by Frank Stallone, and Chris, played by Christopher Mitchum, <laughs> live a life of high seas adventures, working as merchant seamen. But after arriving in port, after arriving in, oh, this is there's a typo, after arriving in a port in Los Angeles for a brief leave, Joe meets Anne, a desperate young woman with a sordid history of prostitution and heroin addiction. As their romance builds, Joe realizes that he's fallen in love, but soon, Anne's former pimp, Harry, tracks her down, kidnapping and brutalizing her with intent of forcing her back under his control and into her old ways of life. Determined not to let her go, Joe and Harry form a two-man army to rescue Anne and take down Harry and his drugs once for all. Wow, there's two typos. Not only did they change Chris's name to Harry on here, uh, but they also missed a word. <laughs> a brain-busting mid-80s action extravaganza in the execu- Executioner Part 2 vein of mind-numbing sleaze. That's a hell of a sentence. <laughs> Savage Harbor, also known as Death Feud, also stars Greta, Greta Blackburn, Anthony Caruso, Nicholas Wirth, uh, and Lisa Loring from The Adams Family. She plays a stripper. <laughs> Wednesday nice. Adams plays a stripper. What? Yeah. <laughs> Directed by notorious exploitation film auteur... <laughs> Carl Monsoon or Monson, Vinegar Syndrome Archive presents the worldwide disc debut of Savage Harbor, presented in a new 2K restoration of its original camera negative. This is crazy, man. This situation's just gotten out of hand. Let's end it. Talk all day. 
Um, if if this if if this movie gets summed up in any fucking way, it's actually in a video interview with Frank Stallone on here. The video interview, by the way, is called "Do You Like Avocados?" and I'll explain that in a second. The first thing out of Frank Stallone's mouth is "Savage Harbor." How the fuck did you hear about that movie? <laughs> That's the first thing out of his mouth. <laughs> so "Savage Harbor" is weird because you you have you have Christopher Mitchum. <laughs> And Frank Stallone in a movie together, and they're they're playing these merchant seamen who come back to who go to Los Angeles to get their life in order for a little bit before they ship back out. And what's great is Frank Stallone feels like he's wearing his brother's clothes from Rocky. He's got that weird like Rocky hat that he wears, and he's got like a like the weather jacket. It looks like he just took his clothes from Rocky. Um, and it was what was in the closet. Yeah, and the movie opens up with this crazy like gun shootout on a beach where it's supposed to be like. This, this 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 drug lord and pimp Harry. He's supposed to be getting some new girls in from China, and they end. And the, the when the boat, it's just like a little rowboat comes to the the shore. They're like, those girls ain't Chinese. They're they're white, and it becomes a big shootout. And uh, Harry's like main squeeze escapes, ends up meeting Joe, and she gets her life on track, and she wants to get clean. And Joe has this great line where he asks her very earnestly, "Do you like avocados?" And he says, "Avocados." <laughs> And she laughs at him, and she's like, "It's been my dream when I'm no longer uh, a merchant seaman to open up to start an avocado farm or avocado farm." <laughs> and he says this with such fucking earnestness. And she's like, "I think I could see myself doing that." And they create a, like it's it's a montage of like love scenes and them getting together and. Um, and then you know things are going well, and Christopher Mitchum's character meets a stripper played by played by Wednesday Adams, and they create a relationship together. But then they have to go back out to sea to do you know merchant seaman stuff. They don't really touch on it very much. Uh, <laughs> two, two quick things: one, I hope she performs under the name Monday Adams. <laughs> no, fortunately not. But you see her and, boobs a lot. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, she's an adult two. now, kids. It's not weird. She's an adult now. <laughs> and number two, uh, funny story. Do you know who actually does own an avocado farm? Who? Jason Mraz. Really? Yes. What? Look Was he up. a merchant seaman at one point? <laughs> uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so they come back. Chris and Joe. Uh, oh, hold on. on. I'm just saying it. Uh, it's avocados. <laughs> We're pronouncing it funny. <laughs> so they end up coming back. Joe and Chris end up coming back, and they want to get their life going. It's like you know, Chris goes to see his 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 girl at the. Is she she's funny. She's a stripper. She's the only stripper at a bar. There's one bar. There's a bar that they always go to, and she's the only dancer. <laughs> it's like that's a lot to live up to. There's right. You're the only one. Um, and you know they go back together, and Joe tries to go find his girlfriend. But what Harry, the the main main bad guy, finds out that you know um, you know she had gotten clean and she was trying to escape the life, and he's like that can't be. So while Joe and Chris were gone, he got her rehooked on heroin, and now she's prostituting herself to get heroin money. And Joe can't find her. He goes back to her old apartment. She's not there anymore. A different hooker lives there. No one will give any information. And he goes on a rampage to try to find her. And um. 
you know, Harry feels that she's going to give up too much information, so he sends a hitman out to get her, and it just becomes this crazy movie with very surprisingly good car chases, bad action. <laughs> Christopher Mitchum's just there, and he looks a lot like his dad. He looks a lot okay. like his dad, but he doesn't sound like his dad, which is very <laughs> throws me off. It's the same thing with Frank Stallone. He doesn't sound like his brother. Like, it almost feels like he sounds so little like his brother that it sounds like his brother's doing a fake voice. <laughs> um, and it's just like this, this, this very crazy action film that I didn't necessarily love. But if people out there love those bad 80s action films, it's right up their alley. Nice. Like this awesome. is the this is the type of movie I was actually kind of referencing when I said a movie that lacks texture. This is that movie. <laughs> that being said, though, it has it does have its own weird texture. It just doesn't like the whole avocado thing is it 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 just feels once again like it was a movie that was made by people who have never seen a movie, <laughs> but that they always wanted to make one. <laughs> yes, yes. It's 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 fascinating. Like it's it's definitely a party movie. It's a movie that you'd put on while watching with people and you'd have a great time. To sit nice. down and try to actually watch and enjoy by yourself, eh, it doesn't work as well for me. <laughs> but I I definitely think it's gonna have its audience. Uh, so and that, and there's yeah there's totally a place for movies like that. And I do have to say the the. Uh, I just—I I think I showed you. I just bought some new speakers very recently. The, yep. the 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 restoration on the sound was fantastic. I don't, and you know, if the movie was only on VHS before, I imagine they had to do a lot of work to clean it up, and they had to find the original negatives. And it sounded amazing on my setup. So it was like, oh, it's—it looks great. It's a treat to listen to. It's just not very good. <laughs> uh, special features, not many, but they're great. Uh, newly scanned and restored in 2K from its 35 millimeter camera original, and then the interview. Do you like avocados? A video interview, a video interview with Frank Stallone. This is a gem. This is worth buying the movie alone because, like I said, the first thing out of his mouth is like, "How the fuck do you know about that movie?" And then I he, like how it's not how the f have you. Sorry, my daughter's here. Yeah. <laughs> how the f it, did you hear about Frank Stallone? Yeah. And it's it's great because he talks about like his acting career. And he's like, oh, I, I, I wasn't much of an actor. He's like, I was a rock star. And he's like, were you? Were you? Were you? That's sweet. He's like, okay. Uh, and he's like, you know, but I, knew, I was good enough to, you know, get some roles, put the food, put food on the, on, on the table for my family. And he's just being very open and honest about his career. He talks about like Christopher Mitchum growing up like with his famous father and working with John Wayne and John Wayne. <laughs> like he's like he's like Christopher Mitchum. You know, he's no like tree hugger or anything, but like he he was trying to like he was doing an organization to try to clean up the oceans and shit like that. Like he's like, what's what's wrong with clean water? Um, and he goes and he's like, John Wayne found out about it and called him up, called up his dad, said, I'm not working if your son anymore. He's a pinko. And he's like, he's like, he's not a communist because he thinks we should have clean water. And then he's like talking about his own career and he's done. He's like, he's like, I've done a lot of bad movies, a couple good ones, a lot of bad ones. <laughs> He's just being so delightfully honest throughout this entire interview that I was like, I even put on Twitter because I love that uh, Frank Stallone has the Twitter handle at Stallone. <laughs> like his brother is the Sly Stallone. It's like, you're, but you're, Frank's got at Stallone. And I was like, if, if Frank Stallone's ever in Wisconsin, I will gladly buy this man dinner. Right. It seems like he's a hoot to hang out with. And even he's like, he's like, I don't get the whole fucking avocado thing. And it's like, that was just in the in, in there. It's like so much of the, so much of the script. We had to eventually start ad-libbing because there wasn't a full script. And, 
and 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 then he talks about too it's like you know he's like the lead actress in the movie he's like me and her had a thing for a while we had an affair for a little while sweet girl sweet girl have no idea what happened to her (laughs) (laughs) and i was like oh my god frank stolen you're the best (laughs) you are the best alone (laughs) oh and then uh, awesome. also and then this interview doesn't live up nearly to that one it's an audio interview of cinematographer jack beckett i'm not a big fan of audio interviews because it's like i like something to look at right you know um a double-sided poster reversible cover artwork and subtitle english subtitles <laughs> but like savage harbor is not a great movie but that interview with frank stallone makes it so fucking good <laughs> and like infamously as i said it stars a stallone <laughs> the the ti- that could not have been better timing from us. It's like, oh wait a minute, is that Sylvester Stallone? Uh, it's a Stallone. <laughs> you're gonna have to really lower your your expectations a little bit. It's a Stallone. <laughs> is it the good Stallone? It depends on your point of view. <laughs> uh, so those are my two vinegar syndrome reviews. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. I was like, it's so much more fun being able to describe them to you as opposed to just talking right. to myself, being like, and then this happens, and yeah, it's hard. Yeah, those it solo is. episodes and I, and are I'll, tricky, and I'll keep doing them just because, like, if people are going to keep sending me stuff, I'm going to keep reviewing them. But I yeah. don't always have the luxury where I can sit down for an extra half hour and talk to you about them. Yeah, no, that was awesome. <laughs> um, so I'm sure we have a, a Christmas slash anniversary episode coming up that yep. we're loosely planning but i also recently watched another classic film from it's got to be early 90s i'm assuming that i had never seen before what's that alien that's from 70s what really is yeah. that yeah okay. it came out before terminator okay i uh, <laughs> i will like i have many talents um i think it pinning came out- down Pinning down when things happened is not one of those talents. I think it actually might have come out around the same time as Star Wars. Okay. That made sense. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, no. So, I I guess, let me ask you this. Would you rather do that next? Because I've technically got, this is is not going to, you know, um, by the time people are hearing this, I would have already posted my episode on audition that I did with Josephine. It would be this. Um, Is that the, the... Japanese horror film yes. audition. Yes. Nice. Titty, 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 titty. Yeah, we did about an hour 40 on that movie. Awesome. And that's a Japanese movie, so I won't be able to add any clips really to that film very much. <laughs> so it's going to just be pure talking. Nice. Um, uh, it, it's, it's a very academic episode in a lot of ways, um, which we don't do often, but I love it. I like when we I, can... I wish we did more of them. I really have fun with those episodes. Well, we can do an academic episode on Fred Claus. <laughs> So I, I guess yep. that, that was gonna be my next question for you. Do you want to do Alien sooner than later, or do you want to do our Christmas anniversary episode and then do Alien? When, would you rather re- that? Would you rather rewatch out. Alien? Oh yeah, I think I'd like to so rewatch Alien. How how would you feel about this? How about we? Well, actually, would you be able, without internet? Will you be able to get a copy of uh, Santa with Muscles? Yeah, because I have to buy that anyway. Right? Yeah, so I'm thinking. Because I said we're gonna be, it's gonna be about, we're gonna be mid December by the time we record next, right? Because I got two episodes already planned, um, <clears throat> and then we'll do aliens. I'm thinking that could or be, alien, probably like closer to the new year. You think? Cool. Yeah. So, because that way we can actually have our Christmas episode near Christmas, take a little bit of a break, yeah, um, come back swinging in the new year with Alien. 
Cool. Swing in with our Terminator. Yeah. Sw- swing in our Terminator. Yeah. Plus, like, I know, like, I'm sure by the time we get around to recording Alien, it's been some time since you've seen it. It might be a good idea to rewatch. Absolutely. So, uh, should we plan for our next episode to be our double feature of Fred Claus and Santa, Santa with Muscles? With muscles. <laughs> yeah. And it should, Absolutely. You should have some time to get a copy of it because it's going to be a little bit before even this episode goes up. Yeah. Perfect. I'll, I'll look for it now and perfect it's a, get it. mill creek put it out the blu-ray is not that expensive okay so excellent yeah this is this is right. still a fun episode <laughs> it's totally. so much fun describing savage harbor <laughs> <laughs> epic i can't wait to see a savage harbor <laughs> it's not the savage harbor <laughs> uh so yeah, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening. Um, this is the Shameless Picture Show. Uh, we are here every other week. I don't know. I feel like I should do a better wrap up. Usually, week. yeah. Uh, uh, we're on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, uh, Apple, iTunes, Podcast, Pod Store, uh, and <laughs> what did I? Google Play and Google Play and Google Play. Um, I only know these because I'm the one who's in charge of putting them on there. Yeah. Like, comment, subscribe. We'll we'll read your reviews on the air. Yeah. Um. We we love the good and the bad ones. We love reading them both. Yep. We um, haven't we haven't gotten one in a while, but this is a passion project for me and Nick. It's something that we started as a way to you know frankly watch a lot of the films that we've missed out on. You know, and that, to see each other. Yeah, and to hang out to get to talk, <laughs> and we get to see so much cool stuff because of it. Like, I, you know, there's, I don't know if I would have, I still don't know if I would, see, I would have seen The Godfather had it not been for the show. Right. Yep. So, as I said, we are the Shameless Picture Show. We hear every other week talking about stuff on our shameless. And if you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. Watch, Watch movies. movies. <laughs> yeah, that was the best one yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, you have a good one, buddy. Cool. You too.